This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello everyone and welcome back to episode 70 of a Clean Skate Podcast, a Dallas Stars podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. And ladies and gentlemen, we are through to the Western Conference Finals. We knock off the Colorado Avalanche in Game 7. Listen, the Dallas Stars had a three games to one lead on the Colorado Avalanche. They put in Michael Hutchinson. He played valiantly. The Avalanche played a valiant game, but the Stars were too much for them to handle, and we were able to get the victory. And listen, I'm not going to break this down by myself. I am going to get this episode going and headed right on over to our friends over at Offsides by a Mile. We're going to be breaking this game down we join them live after that Game 7 loss, so I will get us right over to that one, and I hope you guys enjoy. Woo! What is up, Devils fans? It's your boy, Neil Piano. Make sure you check out the Devils State of Mind podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. From Taylor Hammer Pork Roll to How Much We Hate the Rangers, we got you covered. New episodes every Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts or on the Hockey Podcast Network website. And always remember to rock on. Woo! All right, folks. And this week we have returning guests. We've talked to them quite a lot in the last little bit. Uh, almost too much. But the last time <laughs> we have to talk to them this season, we've got the boys from the offside by a mile. We've got Jared. We've got Tyler fresh off of Game 7. Boys, welcome back. Hi. Thanks. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, it's, it's the Ross from Friends. Yeah. Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> so I know the result, obviously, isn't what you guys would have wanted. But from a hockey fan standpoint that was a crazy game like just tell me how you guys were feeling because I was going through that game and like every time the period ended or went to commercial I was sitting there gnawing on my fingers like I was shaking sweating I was pacing the room like how are you guys watching this game uh lots of pacing for sure I can't believe I didn't have a heart attack oh man there were so many times it's just like like uh we came over to Brett's here that's where we record and everything um for the overtime and I couldn't even sit down I was like there's no way I can sit down I'm pulling my hair out throughout the fucking game like that that was honestly that was one of the most like back and forth and intense game sevens I've seen in a while I think that is an instant classic and it's really disappointing to be on the wrong side of it yeah I mean that is I mean that's a big shot of momentum to uh to Dallas and it would have been the same way the other way around uh, all I can say is that was a hell of a time 
and grade A entertainment right there. And if, if you didn't enjoy that game, you're not a hockey fan because that was that was insane. That was that was fun. It was fun to watch. Yeah, not, obviously not the result we wanted, but holy crap. <laughs> Agreed. But the big story going into this one is obviously another huge injury to the Avalanche lineup without Gabe, Gabe Landeskog. Like, the captain is out. We saw Eric Johnson go down. We've seen you guys lose two defenders. Um, am I missing anyone else? Like, like those are – Calvert. Yeah, Calvert, exactly. So Grubauer. You know, both our goalies. Both goalies. <laughs> yeah. Like, there were some huge, huge goalie – Connor I mean, Timmons. Yep. injury issues with the uh, with the avalanche so you find out you're losing yet another huge piece in one of the you know big pieces that of that three-headed monster line you guys have and I mean how does that how does that like how did you guys feel before the game knowing that this game was going to start with Outlandis Gog well yesterday sorry Thursday we thought we had good news because Matt Calvert was in a regular practice jersey on the ice with the Avs. And we were hopeful that maybe Landis Cog wasn't going to play, but at least Matt Calvert was going to step in and he'd be some more energy, like give us some more energy in the lineup, more forecheck, all that good stuff. And the fact that he didn't draw in the lineup for game seven as well was just another shot in the heart. And wasn't something that we didn't think we could overcome because again, this is the Avs team we've seen all season. The Colorado ambulance showed up again in the playoffs and yeah. I'm sick of it. And I don't like, I don't know. I don't know how you make them healthier. I just don't. It's just Landis Cog missed time this year. Grubauer missed time this year. The list goes on. I was hopeful they could still do it because again, they still had Nathan McKinnon and they still had Kel McCarr, Rantanen, Burakovsky, all the guys that, help propel this team through the regular season. And for what, I don't know, 56 minutes, they did their job. Yeah. And I mean, Landeskog is, I mean, that's a huge loss. And although we didn't, for the most part, uh, especially in this series, we didn't really have him on that top line too much. Um, but he found a real good spot there with Kadri and Nishushkin for the, for the most part. That was a huge – that's a huge loss. I mean, like like you said, Tyler, like having Calvert back would have made it a little bit easier to swallow. But the fact that we don't have our captain and, like, one of our top energy-producing dudes on our bench and, like, even uh, – it, 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 it is hard to swallow, man, because he, he goes out there, he throws his body around. If he's not producing offensively, he's, he's doing something, right? Gabe so. Landeskog versus Sheldon Dries is a very steep drop in talent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I so mean, w- yeah. with Landis Gog off the bench, does the captaincy or like just immediately go to McKinnon? Right? Because I feel like that would be the natural step of leadership. Like, is that who, like, who is, so with Landis Gog not there, who do the players turn to on the bench for that, that, I guess, that leadership? It's got to, well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I almost call McKinnon and Landis Gog co captains because that's yeah. basically what, the, what it is. Like, mm-hmm. Again, Matt Calvert would have been a great guy to fill that gap too. Right? I will say, uh, I feel like Pure Edward Belmar has a big case in that room when it comes to leadership. Another player that we lost was Eric Johnson. Yeah. That's another crazy big piece of that leadership. I'd right? say if it was just Landis Cog leaving, that would have been who it went to. It was EJ? I'd say he's he's your mm-hmm. secondary. McKinnon's there, but McK- like I'm not saying McKinnon's not a leader, but he's McDavid style leadership, right? Where it's just on the ice performance, right? Mm-hmm. 
And we've seen it in this playoffs where McKinnon can kind of go off the rails a bit and maybe get a little too heated at times. Landis Cog was always steady. EJ steady too, right? And it's it's really unfortunate that we lost both of them. So then, I mean, we're going back and forth. The Avalanche held on to a, a lead for a long time. They finally managed to score on the power play for, I think, only the second or third time this series. Um, Once in the last, what? The first time in the last 15 attempts. Yeah. Yeah. So, so <laughs> they finally break through on the power play there. Um, and then the Stars tie it late in the or midway through the third period, hit a post, and then the Avalanche go up whoa, whoa. with one goal with about three minutes left in the third period. Don't discount that post. That was a wide open net from the slot. You hit a post. Yeah and, yeah, and not even the far post. He hit it back against the near post. Yeah, hit it where the goalie was, which is yeah. impressive. Yeah. So there, there's three minutes left, and the puck has not been dropped yet because the Avalanche have gone up by one goal. How are you guys feeling? Fantastic. Pretty, Over the moon. pretty damn good. Over the moon is probably the appropriate level. I mean, that, I that got- puck goes in from Nemestikov. I'm going to be honest. I thought it was over. I thought the game was done. I, I didn't know it was over, but my God, I haven't. Honestly, it's probably a good thing that it was an afternoon slash early evening game because I yelled so loud. <laughs> like I would have woke up the damn neighbors, man. <laughs> and for the first time, I think in that game, I had a lot more confidence, and I'm like, okay, well, you score with three and a half fucking minutes left. You're, you're like, oh, yeah, okay. I guess that we're not going to It could be overtime. the winner. And then but, uh, in, in, in about the same amount of time that it took you to say that, the Stars have turned around and scored. And so now – so, so then his second of the game, listen, Kiviranta, I, I talked about him on your show. The kid played an, an incredible game. But yeah. from obviously a, a – from the flip side of that, how like that, it was such a weird, like takeaway from like the blue line in, like it was such a weird developing play that, and then obviously there's a big rebound from Hutchinson. Like how did that goal? Cause like you barely had enough time to like, like you said, yell and wake up the neighbors from <laughs> that second goal that you barely had enough time to process that. And the game is already tied. Like, what does that do to a bench? Ugh to a bench man i i mean honestly if it's anything like my feelings were which was an immediately just right back to normal kicked in the balls <laughs> like it, it hurt a lot but honestly right after it happened i'm just like oh okay we haven't not been tied for a while here so it's like i definitely didn't feel that way i felt like that gut punch like it just i mean just because yeah. of how it, like like you said kind of how how it developed yes huge rebound by hutchinson but that is exactly the rebound he wants is into the corner away yeah. from the danger zone. Right. That is an absolutely brilliant shot by Kiviran. Yeah. That's yeah. fair. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you said it on our show, basically off both posts. Yeah. Right. It, like, like Hutchinson barely could like, he, he put that in like the 95% perfect place. The only other, the only place better is into the corner behind the goal. Right. And it's just a fantastically lucky bounce for Kiviranta, and then he just makes an excellent – like, he just finishes perfectly, mm, yeah. right? And it's 
that's why to me it felt like a gut punch because you're just like really like that of all things so we go to percent chance (laughs) so we go to overtime then how confident do you guys feel going into overtime zero oh man (laughs) my nerves were so fucking shot at this point that I'd say, I, I don't even know. I wasn't prepared for anything. I was just, I'm just living here. I'm I'd just... say it must have been similar to how you felt going into the start of this game. Just with the fact that, like, you're up, they tie the game, and now you feel like the momentum has swung to them, right? Like, to Dallas. Mm, like, yeah. that's, what, that's how I felt, right? Like, that, that similar feel where you're like, we had this in the bank, and they took it away, and now they got momentum, and we got to stop it. That's how I felt in overtime. Mm-hmm. Did I think that the Avs couldn't do it? Absolutely not. But – it's just that, like, it's just in the back of your mind. You're like, man, the like, momentum feels like it's swung. And in overtime, it felt like, up until the obvious Stars goal, it felt like McKinnon and Rantanen were on the ice for 10 minutes. Like, yeah. McKinnon had the puck on his stick for so much time, and that's what I was the most nervous about going into overtime. Like, McKinnon – in, in my mind, McKinnon is the last superstar left in these playoffs. So, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, m- maybe you could, you could maybe make the argument for, like, Kucherov, maybe. But, like... If it, he's even healthy. Yes, but True. in my yeah. mind, McKinnon is in another league compared to mm-hmm. that, you know? So, like, my biggest fear was, like, that is the perfect story, right? You, you hear it, like... I think my head thinks back to the Nathan McKinnon overtime winner versus Vancouver um, this season in overtime. Like he, it's just like that elite skill that comes out in like those special moments, which is yeah. what I was the most nervous for was like mm-hmm. that superstar talent that just like would not be denied. So if I had told you then at the beginning of that overtime that yo or not even at the beginning of overtime at the beginning of this game, that Yoel Kiviranta was going to score not just the game winner, but his third of the game, his hat-trick goal in only his second ever playoff game. How would you guys have reacted? I would have said, who's Kiwi Ranta? <laughs> <laughs> who? So who? Uh, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Get fucked, probably. I would have said. <laughs> and, man, yeah. Yeah, I would have said, yeah, okay. Like, what are you smoking? <laughs> but also at the same token, like you were talking about McKinnon too. And I had that feeling going into overtime. I'm like, if there's someone that's going to end the game here for the Avs, it's probably going to be McKinnon. I've... Firstly, because we know who he is and how he plays in these clutch situations. But also, the guy didn't have a point in this game yet. The first game first game first of the game of playoffs. playoffs. So he doesn't have a point. And you're like, okay, well, if there's someone that's going to get this goal, it's going to be him. But I had a feeling... I had a feeling Cotter was going to go legend in the playoffs just because of the way he played all game. He had a great playoffs, yeah. That's, what's, that's what makes this loss hurt the most is just you look at, like, Nathan McKinnon, like, on pace with Gretzky and Kadri, like, easily could have had his 10th goal of the playoffs in this game. Rantanen doing well. Makar, like, leading rookie defensive scoring in the playoffs for all time, basically, and stuff. And it's just, like, all these, like, what could have been moments if they would have won this game makes this really, really hard. Even more so than the Stanley Cup being at the end of the line, right? Like, it's just – it's hard to believe that this team couldn't lock it down defensively for enough time to make stuff like that where these guys are scoring at paces we haven't seen for a very long time. And, yes, there's a reason. There's 57 goals in this series. 
there's like there's a reason the point totals are high. But when guys are scoring at historically high paces, it's crazy to think they just lost the series. Right. It was in the second round. It was turning into yeah, all these storylines, right? And like how how historic of a run it could have been, right? What what could have been? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So what is the big thing that you guys will look back and remember about this playoff series? Fucking Curry, Kiwi Ranta. No. <laughs> um, when we look back on this series. Yeah, yeah. Like what, what's the one big thing that you, you think stuck out to you from this series? The first four games of absolutely not the Avs team we're used to seeing. That's the hardest thing. Because yep. look at what we just saw the Avs do in the last three games of this series. With their, th- with their third string goalie in that, none- with, nonetheless. Exactly. With a third string goalie and all these injuries that we've already talked about. Yeah. And we are playing our best hockey of the playoffs. That's why you can't give games away in the playoffs. And well, they felt yes. like they definitely feel like they gave away the first two for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like they could have won game four, but they, I, to me, it feels like they gave away one and two. And. This would be a 3-2 series in theory, right? Like, if you take away games one and two, this is a 3-2 series. Everything is okay. This game doesn't mean nearly as much, but because you gave away game one and two, you are out of this, you're out of the playoffs, right? And it's, it's that. It's 0 for 11 in game five and six when you have nine goals in each game or in both games total, right? Like, the power play just wasn't good enough. And I do not care how good the Dallas Stars PK is. You have to adjust in a playoff series. You have to find And they didn't adjust till game seven. Yeah, I mean, that's the bottom line is we know what we saw in those last three games. We know what we saw, I guess you could say, against Arizona. It's pretty much dominant performances, right? So that's what makes it the, the most difficult is, yeah, those first two, three games. So I, I have a, I have a – theory that I'm working on now that now that this game has ended and we see who it's coming down to and now we see McKinnon eliminated in, in the second round and I I just said that he was I'd say the biggest the superstar the last superstar left in the playoffs we see McKinnon eliminated in the second round Crosby doesn't even make it out of qualifiers McDavid doesn't even make it out of qualifiers <laughs> and we see teams like the Dallas Stars the Philadelphia Flyers and the New York Islanders making it deep in these playoffs. And we hear a lot of stuff about people talking about how the game is trending fast and stuff like that. But I wouldn't necessarily say that the Islanders, the Flyers or the Stars play a overly fast game. So do you think it's like the, the combination of like they play a structured game and that doesn't necessarily play well in the regular season and it plays well in the playoffs or do you think that maybe there is something to say about, you know, not putting as much stock on the, the, the big brand names, I guess? Well, I mean, before you get too far with the star stuff, I, would, it, I wouldn't discount a lot of these teams that are left of saying they don't have stars. Like, the Dallas Stars have stars. They're just not playing like them, right? Like, Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan. Like, Jamie Benn won an Art Ross. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It's crazy to think. Like, yeah. to say that he's not a star, maybe he's not performing like one, but that's not fair. That's not even fair to your own team. But, like, Barzal is a budding star. Pedersen is a budding star. The Vegas Golden Knights have Mark Stone, who's arguably one of the best defensive forwards in the game, who 
is offensive. You have Pacioretty on that team, who's arguably one of the best wingers in the game. Yes, you don't have, like, the top echelon, the top five, we'll call it, right, in, like, the McDavid, the McKinnon, stuff like that. I'd say even Ovi being gone is, is yeah, huge. Yeah, for sure, Yeah, right? But, I mean, again, it's just like the Oilers, right? That Washington team has had a very hard time in the playoffs for a very long time. And the only reason they didn't have a hard time one year was because they had Barry Trotz. And <laughs> guess what? He's in a team that's still going. Yeah. Right? So, like, um, yes, I agree that the, the teams that are left don't necessarily play the fastest games. Vancouver definitely does. Like, that's their brand for sure. Yeah. Uh, Vegas can. Uh, obviously, Tampa Bay can. Um, but, yeah, the Islanders in Philly, the, I, the, the Islanders feel, like, very similar to Arizona like and Dallas, too where they play a really good structure and part of what benefits them in the playoffs is the more lenient penalty calls too. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's what I'm not saying Dallas won the series for that. Yeah. But when you can interfere, you can hook and hold, you can slow the game down a little more freely in the playoffs. It definitely benefits these slower teams that are built for that. And the Islanders are 100% built for that. Yeah. They have a couple of stars that like Barzal that can really get going on the scoreboard. But the rest of that team is built on defense. Right. And that, that 100% is built for playoffs. And it's one of those things, right. It's kind of what we were scared about with Arizona in round one is the fact that once they get there, that's when they get scary. Like once you get into the playoffs, that's when like, again, that this is what they're built for. And they are made to succeed. And that's what scared us before the Arizona series started. The Avs beat them, and it was fantastic. But then we expected the same out of Dallas. And aside from, like, the actual goal-scoring numbers, it's what we got. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you're Dallas, I'd be pretty stoked right now. Yeah, I mean, it really just puts a big old highlighter on team play, right? And structured play. I guess that's what I was trying to get to more or less with my question is – is in the playoffs you see so much of that team play being being such a factor. Yeah, and I mean for the Avs, we've we've been screaming for that team play all year, right? And it happened before the break, but for I don't know two or three weeks it seemed. Obviously, part of that's injuries, but I mean the team systems. Why do you think the Avs penalty kill was so bad? They just could not play as a four man unit. They couldn't. They they. They had passengers on the penalty kill. And if you have a passenger on the penalty kill, you're getting scored on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So, I mean, is what it is. I mean, boys, listen. It's been a pleasure to talk to you guys all season. Uh, it's a shame that it had to end this way for you guys. <laughs> uh, but – we are very glad that, that we are able to have you around and uh, to talk to you guys. Uh, best of luck to next season. And um, oh, yeah. hopefully we can count on you guys to cheer, uh, cheer us on uh, if we take on the Canucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I won't say cheer on, but I won't, you know. No, I'm cheering. If they win. I'll be cheering. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. All right. Piece. All right. Heard that. Well, <laughs> we, we appreciate it, boys. And uh, you guys have a good night. Yeah. Appreciate yeah, it, man. Too. And there was my interview with the boys from the Offsides by a Mile podcast. Big thanks for them for coming on 
even though, you know, they unfortunately lost the series after that heartbreaking one. But we were able to have some laughs about it. And, you know, it seems to me the NHL is just pumping out these games one after another. There is not a big break in between series anymore. So there was one off day between beating Colorado in Game 7 overtime and now Game 1 versus the Vegas Golden Knights. And, man, oh, man, it was a boring one. I'm going to be honest. I only caught the tail end of this one. I caught the second and third period. I missed the first period, so I only missed the goal that was scored because there was only one goal scored all game. And the Dallas Stars take game one with a one nothing shutout win. Big shutout win for Anton Hudobin. Uh, Jamie Benn looked really good in this one. Kiwi Ranta looked noticeable and I talk about him a little bit because coming up, we have a two-guest episode on this one. This one I caught up directly after the Game 1 win for the Dallas Stars. I caught up with the guys from the Vegas Nightly Podcast at the Hockey Podcast Network. So here is the live reaction to the finish to that game. We have Michael Farway from the uh, Queen's Gate podcast uh, on to, to talk about the Dallas series with us tonight. So uh, thanks, Michael, for hopping on. I know that uh, you just got out of work pretty recently, so appreciate having you here. Uh, how's it going tonight? Going pretty good. I hopped off work, and then I was able to watch a pretty solid, stereotypical Dallas Stars uh, game one win, just like we all drew it up, right? Just like yes. you, you drew it up. <laughs> so, uh, so, so we're recording this right after the uh, the game one loss for Vegas, uh, which means a game one win for Michael. Um, so let, let's just kind of go around and, and talk about this game because it definitely was not Vegas's even remotely close to best game, or it might have possibly have been the well, possibly the worst out of this entire like playoff run so far. But. Um, what do you guys think? How, let's start with uh, Eric here. Well, I mean, when you say best or worst, I mean, at some point you got to start talking about William Carlson, Mark Stone, each had one shot attempt today. I mean, at, at some point you need your, your top guys to show up. We need we talked about it with, with Vancouver. But, I mean, they're over 200 straight minutes with scoring less than one goal against a goalie. I mean, the two empty netters at the end of the Vancouver series mean nothing at this point, obviously. So – you got to figure that out. Um, the thing that I'd like to talk to Michael about, I'm kind of curious as to what you thought, obviously coming in. So there was a fantastic stat yesterday that I saw. Dallas was 7-0 and in this postseason when they scored four or more goals, but they were only 2-7 and when they scored uh, four or less goals. I guess it was five or more or four or less. So did you think that Dallas could have this style, could – transition back to what they were in the regular season and transition back to just a full lockdown. Hey, we're going to give you shots from the outside, but it's going to be a low event game. Uh, yeah, to be honest, I, I definitely expected uh, Dallas to play some pretty strong defense right off the hop. I mean, you got to remember the Dallas defenders and the forwards just finished a series where, Every time they looked up the ice, it was Nathan McKinnon, Miko Ranton, and Kale McCarr skating at them. So, like, the, the type of defense you have to play to play effectively against those players, 
um, is like the same really tight defense that I think we sort of know the Dallas Stars can do it. And we haven't really seen uh, really yet a game in this postseason where the Stars have, like you said, been like that that regular season just we're going to play the trap, we're going to win this game one nothing in this case um, by one goal, and, and that's all we're going to do. So I definitely I, – I, I'm not surprised that they were uh, strong defensively after having to play against such strong competition in the last round. Uh, to me, I'm uh, on my case for Vegas is I'm not too worried about it. Vegas did look really flat and sloppy, but they had they were due for that game. They were playing how many games in a row? It's such such a short period of time. They ha- they just got out of a back to back with one day's rest, while uh, Dallas uh, didn't come out of a back to back. They played a back to back, a day's rest, and then game seven, if I'm uh, if I'm correct, right? Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. Dallas certainly came up uh, much more fresh uh, in that game. And uh, come to think about it, I'm like, when you think about it, it's, I'm not that surprised about it. And during the third, Vegas really f- started to find their legs and just couldn't beat Goldobin. Yes, I am concerned about our offense having not having scored a five, uh, five on five goal since the Theodore goal on game Four, five, game five. That was the last time they scored a five-on-five goal, which is yeah, a little bit concerning. But I, I feel like I know that this team can get it together because they're due for a like a short, this stinker game like this, you know. So I'm not that worried. It's just game one. So yeah, I think I think Dallas. The, the thing that they were able to do best was neutralize Shea Theodore. I mean, Shea Theodore had. I don't. I mean, I'd love to see the, the numbers for turnovers. We'd have to go to, to Corey Sinjadir for that one. But, I mean, it was – every time he tried to have one of those stretch passes, it was just picked off in the neutral zone. So, I was surprised it took so long for Vegas – or it took so long they never adjusted to it. But that they went the entire game without making the adjustment of, okay, because you saw late in the game, Marshy took it from below the goal line and skated it all the way into, into the offensive zone. So, they never took the puck out of his hand, whereas Shea – and our defense, both McNabb, uh, Schmidt, and Martinez, just kept making those stretch passes that were picked off. So they did a Dallas did a fantastic job of clogging the neutral zone, and really Shea. This was by far his worst game of the of the playoffs. And we we can't not mention that we only allowed one goal though. Although most of that was Flurry, he was Flurry was great, especially early. We still only allowed like one goal. But also maybe that's the case of Dallas turtling at the uh, at the end there at the third maybe. But yeah, they had, they had two shots in the third. They they were yeah. they were just interested in clogging up the neutral zone and, and keeping all the shots to the outside. If yeah, Vegas, but let, so if, if Vegas got a goal first, I think that game would have gone completely different. Um, obviously, because you know uh, Dallas is like, all right, we know we know this team is capable of being terrifying. Um, and, and I think that they, you know, the coach and, and the team is just like, all right, we got to lead. Let's just hold on to this as long as possible and obviously try to still score more. But, you know, they, they made the smart play by really just locking down and, and playing defensively into the third. Well, yeah, they you, completely you, copied what Vancouver did. You, yep. you saw it against, I mean, Colorado. Um, they would just come in waves. Like I said, like Colorado has such fast skaters, right? That There were a lot of times I was getting mad because – We'd get the puck, and it's up off the glass and out, and 
then it's just a turnaround back in the zone. We break up the play. We chip it up. There was just there's no offensive spark when they decide to be like, you know what, we're just not gonna play offense, but we're also not gonna let anything across the blue line either. Yeah, Dallas really played really solid defensively against Vegas. So I got to give him a lot of credit there. But I also feel like Vegas has a little of that shell shock on Dallas because of how physical they are compared to our last opponent, which was Vancouver. Like, I, I feel like the kind of – Dallas showed up and kind of just pushed them around, and Vegas didn't really expect that much of a fight back physically because of their last – I think they, they knew what it was, but they didn't – know how it was a little bit of a shock i feel like vegas is gonna adjust next game and they know what to expect now they also have ryan reeves next game yeah i i think that you know not saying that he's the only difference maker possible but i think his physicality is going to add a different level or a different layer to the the next game compared to this one because you could you could see some of some vegas getting beat on tonight they they came out hitting right away too so they should as soon as that first shift happened and they saw all the hitting going on. They should have been, okay, guys, we, we need to be aware of what's going on here and start fighting back. Yeah, and I feel they need to – like, I, I've noticed, too, that the Knights ha- is a little gun-shy, a little bit shooting the puck. I feel like they, Demko kind of got in their head saying, like, we got to get better shots and stuff. There's a few shots I thought they should have took instead of passing it, but – that's their ML all the time, though. Not just yeah. not just for the last series. They always try to get too cute with it. No, I mean they still got a lot. Like series, they got a lot of shots. Like I, I kind of during that game, the first two periods, I kind of felt like we were Vancouver there because we couldn't get anything done. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So that, that was like like this is this what Vancouver felt? It's, yeah. You know what I mean? So. But like I'm I said, not, we got our legs up at the third, so I'm not I'm not really worried about it. Yeah, me me either. And that's what I was gonna say is like, you know, I I think this is anybody's series still. Um, you know, I, I mean, it's it's one loss or one win, regardless of how which which team you're cheering for. Um, I I think that there's a lot more games that are gonna be played in this series. I I, I had picked uh, Vegas in six, obviously because I'm biased. Um, but I I could see this going seven again. For both, uh, or obviously for all of us here, so we'll see. I did, p- I did pick Vegas in five because I'm trying to catch up to Dave, and I have to pick a different number. So yeah, I, I saw that. <laughs> I think that's why you picked that way. So, so you're Carlos. Uh, I'm, play, I'm playing the game. Four I'm wins play, now, right? I'm playing the game, not not properly picking the. Yeah. Well, if you if you look at it in the history of the Vegas Golden Knights, they are 0 and 1 in game 1 of the Western Conference Finals both times and they are 4 and 0 the rest of the time. They steamrolled <laughs> they steamrolled Winnipeg 2 years ago. Right, it's a great sample size. size. It's a great sample size. <laughs> yeah, so Michael, how do you see the uh, how do you see obviously you got to feel good about that. Do you think that that is a game plan? that can work for Dallas moving forward, getting the first goal and just trying to clamp down? Or do you – I mean, can Kudobin stop 25 out of 25 again? Or, or how do you see this kind of series going or what kind of adjustments? Well, I think while there definitely was a really big pushback from Vegas in that third period, I think that there were moments, especially in that second period, when Vegas just wasn't getting anything. And Vegas was very lucky to have left that second period still only down by one. Flurry was huge. And I think, right, I think that third period goes a little different if you're not down by one. 
Um, right. So I think that, no, I don't think, right. We should expect or hope for a one, nothing win every time. Right. Because all it takes is there were a couple times that the golden Knights were just throwing things at the front of the net, you know, and all it takes is one of those times in one of these games, that puck to tip a wrong way and go in the net. And then that game is tied. Right. So I don't think, you know, they should necessarily look to just, turtle i guess as as you put it um uh with a one one goal lead but i also don't think that they necessarily entirely you know like retreated in this one either they definitely they definitely were fine playing defense in the third but they definitely still were pushing the pace and looking for goals in this one i'm just glad we don't have uh, cody egan on our team now because you guys got joe pavelski and the you know what happened the last time those two were on the ice together I am also glad the stars don't have Cody Eakin. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. I forgot you started off on the stars. Yeah, no, I think – wait, no, I'm thinking of Riley Smith. Never mind. Riley you got Smith drafted was, by them too. Yeah, yeah. uh-huh. Yeah. And, and James Neal was, was a big part of the stars for a while. Yep. yep. Yeah, a lot of alumni. So, so one thing I did want to bring up is that you guys have probably one of my favorite rookie defensemen in Miro Heskinen like I think he's an absolute stud obviously he showed up tonight um it it's going to be interesting seeing him versus Theodore continue through that throughout this series I mean we're we're real big Theodore fans obviously he's a fantastic player um but yeah you got you got your star defenseman as well and and man he's he's made some of your your games I mean especially last series against Colorado he did some really cool stuff there he is just like he is so good in every spot of the ice he makes everything easier for the forwards he makes life easy for his goalie his d partner he is just so fluid it's a joy watching him skate and like listen i mean no disrespect to the to the golden knights but the 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 skate level that was in last, like the skating ability that was in last series with the McKinnon and like watching Kale McCarr and Miro Heiskanen just go back and forth with end to end rushes last series was phenomenal hockey. Yeah. I feel like uh, the, the speaking of your defenseman though, because uh, everybody talks about Heiskanen, but the guy who scored the goal uh, today was uh, the, your other star Defenseman who's barely talked about this postseason, to be honest, to be honest with you, uh, Klingberg. Uh, and how how do you much do you think is it's going to be an X factor in this uh, series? Well, he's huge. He has scored. Um, he he he's scored overtime winners. He scored big goals for us. Um, and I I definitely think like I don't know. He might not get talked about as much as Heiskanen, but like it's it's the two of them up there together like when we're in desperation mode and we see we've seen it a few times um like with goalie pulled and stuff like that we'll just throw normally you'll see like with on power plays or or um like with the goalie pulled there'll be only one defenseman out there the stars aren't afraid to throw out Klingberg and Heiskanen out there at the same time and just let the two of them go because they're both incredible well there was one stat uh going into the series um, and obviously including today, that 53 out of the 57 goals that the Stars have scored have had either Heiskanen or Klingberg on the ice. They essentially are always out there. They 
the only thing, I mean, I don't know if they, I think they both PK, but they are always out there. So it's just like they both get 25 plus minutes. So well, they do, every, about it. they do everything and they're on different pairs, which yeah. is amazing because it means you can have, like you said, one of them out there almost all of the time, which is just something that is so hard to handle for another team because it means you always have to be aware that one of them is on the ice. They can skate it out of the zone. They can bomb it. They can rip wrist shots. They can send like amazing stretch passes. They are one man breakout machines. I, I can't talk enough about them. They're so good. So, so thinking about the series overall, um, Michael, what, what would you suggest that, you know, the stars do to, to win the whole series? Do they, you know, I know Eric kind of asked this as well, but do they just stick with their game plan or do they, do, do you need more out of them? Um, Cause I think from Vegas's perspective, like, you know, Eric, Eric was just pointing out the the two star defensemen that you have, Vegas needs to probably focus on figuring ways to shut them down. Um, and, and just overpower them. So, so I'm kind of curious from your perspective, what, uh, what you think needs to happen and, and in order to adapt to whatever Vegas does next. If the stars can continue to replicate the second period, I would say from this one, I'd say they have a pretty good chance. Um, I think, uh, you know, it, it's like that, that the neutral zone clog really worked. And like I said, they I think a lot of the experience from the Colorado series is going to carry over to this Colorado attacked them with such speed that the, I, I don't, I don't want to say it's easier. Cause I, I don't want to sound like I'm like, I don't know the, the avalanche attack, which is such vastly superior speed than I would say the Knights do that if they're able to skate with that and they can continue to play their game like they did in game seven and in this one as well with that sort of defensive style, uh, I think we'll have an all right time because you guys already seemed frustrated with your offense coming off of last series. So if they can sort of lean into that frustration, that's if it's felt by you guys, I can only imagine what the team is feeling. So if they can sort of lean into that, you know, goal frust- drought frustration, then we, we might have some good chances. So let me ask you this from a uh, Dallas perspective. What do you think Vegas does to actually win the series? Like, how do you think they can win it from a I, Dallas perspective? Yeah. I, to be honest, they Vegas plays a really good uh, – I, I don't want to say, like – cycle play i guess they have they got they are able to have really solid zone time but i think against a team like the stars like you're gonna need a lot more traffic in front of hudobin um you guys there were a lot of times where there were some overthinking of passes um and they were passing it and sort of clutching the shot a little bit they weren't sure on getting all their shots away and I mean, listen, Hudobin was a sponge. Anything that he saw hit him, and there was nothing coming off of him. So, like, Alex Tuck is a big guy in front of the net, but you're going to need so much more from everyone in front of that net because, like, a lot of the Colorado goals weren't from amazing passing plays that they could do. It was from them putting shots on from the point and getting tips in front of Hudobin. And a lot of our shots, though, I mean, we're getting right into his chest, but like you said, he was just gobbling him up and not letting any rebounds off. And 
And if he did, you know, their defenseman or Tom Ford was right down there to clear it out anyway. Yeah, and, and we block a lot of shots. Like, we, we jump in front of everything and block a lot of shots. So, like, you got to – like, I know Theodore can do it. You need everyone to do it, to just start putting things at the net. Because if you are trying to, like you were saying, sort of, like, pick and choose your shots and, like, to get that just perfect, like, cross-crease shot, it's not going to work. Dallas plays too strong defensively to rely on that. Schmidt has potential. Schmidt has some decent chances today too, but missing yeah, that a couple of times. But some of it was because of block shots, and so you got Schmidt there too. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it's a one goal game. Like that's it's a it's a couple bounces either way, and and for and that game goes different, you know. So it, it's a hard game to predict the rest of the series off of. Well, and, yeah, for and sure, because if you, if you look at Vegas, I mean, the, the reason why this is – everybody's so worried about it is you keep seeing those stats out there, right? They, they've scored one five-on-five goal in the last 125 shots. I mean, it's just – as that continues, if, if we just finished off Vancouver by scoring four goals and five goals, then nobody would be talking about it, right? Mm-hmm. But the fact that, hey, you've scored one five-on-five goal the last whatever three games, whatever it turns out to be, that's why everybody's now talking about this. Okay, is there a problem? Vegas didn't come out and play with the same sort of swagger or whatever they didn't. Whether Look, we all kind of jokingly about Reeves and what he provides. He does provide something, though. This is a series. He's much more valuable in this series than he would have been in the Vancouver series. Yeah. So it's one game. Who knows? Obviously, they're going to come out a lot better game two. Uh, but we'll see from there. I mean, I just think Vegas, their stars have to be better, though. I mean, your top line, your, your top two lines have to do something. Like, stop fucking around with, with Chandler Stevenson in the, in, between Pacioretty and Stone. Like, th- that doesn't work. Nobody's injured. Stop that shit. Let's, let's figure something else out. So, I don't know. I, I hope that he goes back to, to the lines that when everybody's healthy, which is what we started the – I guess second game whenever Pacioretty came back against Chicago with that's the lines that I want to see because I'm tired of seeing Stevenson up with Stone and Pacioretty. But I feel like yeah, a bigger pushback in game two with both teams have the same kind of amount of like closer games and stuff. Yeah, I don't expect they, any game the rest of the series to be like today's. No, I yeah. think this this was this game will be the outlier for the series, not the rule. Yeah, this was probably a, a fantastic game for Dallas to come in and steal, right? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, they I, went to overtime, I, but but it was it was it was a perfect spot it, for all the things. Now Vegas needs to just take tomorrow off, whether they have practice or not, but just take tomorrow off, come back Tuesday, hey, and figure it out. So, Michael, anything you want to add uh, about Dallas? What we should look for the rest of the series going on before we uh, let you go? Uh, yeah, um, his name is. You may have heard it recently. His name is Kiwi Ranta. Keep an eye out. You're telling me about a guy that literally was scratched the entire playoffs, had one good game, and then that's now all of a sudden the X factor? Come on, the dude played 13 Uh, games in the regular season, had one goal. You're right. If you want to give me an X factor, give me an actual X factor like Gurionov. Hey, he had four goals in one game. I mean, come on. All right, listen, listen. He's a scrub. Uh, Okay, I'm doubling down, all right? I'm going to tell you, from what I saw in this game, he's not coming out of the lineup. He took a terrible penalty. He took, he was, one, he was... he took one bad penalty, but I, what I saw from, what, from, from my analysis of the game 
I saw someone who won was a burst of speed and energy in a lineup that does not have a lot of that. Someone too, who was back in every play that like, if he lost the puck, he was the first man back. And three, he adds, I think something so much better with Gurionov and Hints together. Cause I wanted them. I want Gurionov and Hints together. The question is, who do you play alongside of them? And so far, they've been trying people like Corey Perry at that role. And I have loved from the two games I've seen him in what I've seen from Kiviranta and that whole line. So I'm doubling down, and I'm saying Kiviranta. All right. Well, we'll, 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 we'll keep an eye out for the third or fourth line scrub that, that all of a sudden had a, a great game seven. If – I just thank you very much for not mentioning him in the same breath as Wayne Gretzky because I would have fucking kicked you off at that point. Would have said, "Okay, get out of here. Don't give I me mean, a hat trick." First, do time you guys know seven. who? Shut the fuck the up. Stop. <laughs> yes, we know. We've heard it. We pay attention when stats are said. So, Michael, thank you very much for uh, for coming on. We appreciate it. We'll uh, let you go and enjoy the uh, enjoy the win tonight. We'll uh, maybe if the series prolonged, we'll talk uh, again with you. I appreciate you guys having me, boys. And uh, we don't wish luck around here, so good night. Have fun. Later, man. Thanks again. And a big thank you for the boys at the Vegas Nightly Podcast for coming on after yet another Dallas Stars victory. We only like to have guests on after Dallas Stars win so I can go on and gloat. But I hope you guys enjoyed because I already know this is already becoming a bit of a long episode. Remember, if you guys want to follow the Offsides by a Mile boys on Twitter, you can at Offsides by a Mile. And if you want to follow the Vegas Nightly guys on Twitter, you can at Vegas Nightly on Twitter. And you can follow this podcast while we chug along in this playoff. We won't go home. We are going for the W at Cleanscape Pod on Twitter to follow along as the Dallas Stars roll over these Vegas Golden Knights and I will talk to you cowpokes in the next one. <laughs> <laughs>